Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3, it's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker, Barrett's Ejectation, Ryan Huang. Time now for The Bigger Picture, where we are asking the question, who is going to be the next chair of the Fed Reserve? Indeed, suspense in the air. Ryan, any uh, probable answers at this point? Well, there are a couple of candidates, but we might get the answer in as soon as four days. That's what US President Joe Biden has told reporters. So he is weighing between reappointing Jerome Powell or the other frontrunner, Fed Governor Leo Brenner, for the job. So she's been preferred by some progressive lawmakers and activists. So he's got hands full with deciding who is going to be leading policy for the Fed in the coming years. And of course, this is against a backdrop of intensifying debate over how the Fed should be responding to the inflation picture. To get a bigger picture, we've got Manpreet Gill. He is the head of FICC Investment Strategy for Standard Chartered Private Bank. Morning, Manpreet. How are you doing today? Morning, right now. Great. How are you? Great as well, Manpreet. So let's dive into the topic here with the Fed in focus. You've got two candidates here. One is Jerome Powell and the other is Fed Governor Lyle Brenner. Walk us through what is the trade-offs here between the two of them. What are they like and what do they represent and what might be the impact for markets if they do get a top job? Well, I think, I mean, Powell is the most well-known quantity. I mean, he's been chair and we know very well now what he stands for and, and at least what policy direction he's been trying to influence. But it's interesting that Bernard, if anything, is known to be, you know, even a little bit more dovish. So I think from a market perspective, actually neither is nothing to worry about. I mean, you know, the Fed is ultimately, you know, decisions are shaped by board of governors. And, you know, Brenner already being on sort of being part of the decision-making process is very much part of, you know, the, the current sort of Fed direction. But if anything, if you heard, you know, extremely biased, which bias does come through, for markets, that's, if anything, less to worry about. I mean, the concern here today is whether the Fed may end up being forced to, you know, tighten policy faster than what is priced and what the Fed has been signaling so far. But by not, you know, a scenario of by not being Fed chair, if anything, eases the pressure on that maybe a little bit. Yeah, Manpreet, it's interesting because looking at the bond yields, they seem to be reacting to some of the headlines around who might be your next Fed chair. Walk us through what's moving the bond yields. And of course, you've got the inflation picture as well, three-year highs. And overnight, we've got the retail sales figures coming through. People just continuing to spend despite higher prices. What's happening in the U.S. economy here, Manpreet? Well, now on bond yield, it is exactly that. It's the U.S. economy. I mean, I think it would be dangerous to over-focus on who may be the next Fed chair because regardless of who it is, it's a growth and inflation data. And I think if you think about bond yields recently, the growth data, of course, has been positive. I and mean, retail sales numbers undoubtedly quite a bit positive yesterday. But, you know, the inflation debate is the one that's never far away. And, you know, we've clearly seen the Fed signal that they still see it as transitory eventually and something they're willing to look through. But that's the one where markets, you know, clearly do disagree to some extent. So ironically, what's moving bond yields today is the market, you know, pricing moving on whether to price just one or two or partly even three Fed rate hikes in 2022. So the inflation debate is really the big one. In our view, we're at the more, you know, dovish end of that. We do see reasons 
for inflation to fall back at least to some extent as we go through the year. So a little bit more subsiding with the Fed. But that's the one to watch in any indicators that go into it. And that's what's driving bond yields at the moment. Yeah, talking about inflation possibly becoming stickier, we are getting commentary from many companies saying they are going to be hiking prices. So that means food is going to cost more, your clothing is going to cost more. So that's going to be sticking around. So I'm just wondering what type of costs or what extent businesses can pass on these costs to consumers. It looks like it is recovering quite well enough for them to actually pass it on. Well, yes, and I think you know the level of those prices or the size of those price increases is quite key because here's where we can look back through history. If you look at the US, for example, when inflation has been on the higher end, but you know modestly high, so say in the region of three uh, percent or below, firms have generally been able to pass through those price increases. Now that has meant somewhat higher prices for the consumer, but it has meant that uh, companies have been able to maintain their margins. And you know, that's an environment in which equity markets have actually ended up still doing pretty well. It's only when prices start rising, you know, much more than that, you start seeing, you know, CPN sustains at levels like 4% or higher, that's when you know, mm. firms are not always able to pass those through. It starts hurting margins and equities start to underperform. Uh, that's the scenario where, you know, it's asset clusters like gold or private real estate, uh, you know, end, end up being the best refuges. So I think the level is quite important. Today, of course, we have one data point well above that, but it's really about where the trend goes over the course of the next year. Yeah, I'm pretty talking about watching inflation. That's something that's been in focus in Australia because the RBA released their minutes yesterday of their latest meeting. And it's in effect pretty much a pushback of interest rate hike expectations. So it seems like Australia feels they are well placed to weather all the inflationary pressures. Walk us through what's happening there and where the Australian dollar is going from here. Bearing in mind, in the past month, it seems to be uh, under pressure, down around 1.7%. No, I think it's interesting that the RBA is sort of following the lead from many of the central banks, starting with the Bank of England, of trying to almost push back against market expectations of rate hikes, of a number of rate hikes next year. But I think what's different, of course, here is that the Aussie dollar is arguably priced in much more of that. I think the, the interest rate markets maybe haven't completely priced that out. So so actually, in the Aussie dollar, if you're taking a short-term view, we'd be biased to be a bit more positive at this point in time. I mean, it's been under a lot of pressure recently, but our technical analysts believe, you know, much of those that pressure is now, you know, coming to an end. And as long as you know we see the Aussie dollar pairs stay above 70 cents, move back closer towards 75 cents, so we think it's plausible as long as there are no big surprises. I think the key data point, of course, is the one we should be getting at around about now is the wage price inflation. Mm. Because when you're thinking about inflation, you know, supply chain-driven debate is one, and I think we can make the case that's transitory, but wages are really the key here, right? Because if there are any concerns about inflation becoming more entrenched, wages are where you'd see them first. Yeah, Manpreet, part of that equation where we are looking at the Aussie dollar possibly getting weaker is a stronger greenback. And that's also seeing the Japanese yen now pushing four-year lows. And this is interesting because right now it's trading around 114.84. So for the US dollar, the greenback, how much stronger can it get from here? It's already up 2% in the past week. No, it's a good point. And I think for a lot of moves we're seeing on the pair, it's been about the dollar, not what's been happening on the other side. And in the short term, at least, it's quite possible this dollar rally extends a little bit. Now, you know, we're very much still, you know, dollar based when looking on a 12-month horizon. But on a short horizon, you know, we can't deny the fact that the dollar index has broken above what we saw as a, as a particularly important technical level. So what that means is, particularly when you sort of link it to, you know, the debate we had on interest rates in, this, in the start, that expectation of markets saying, no, we think there will be Fed rate hikes, a number of them next year, that's been pushing the dollar higher. 
And from a technical standpoint, you know, that's, if anything, added momentum to the rally. So in the very short term, this could extend a little bit further. But I think we need to really see you know, where inflation ends up. If all the debates come back to inflation. And we're still of the view that it proved to be relatively transitory as we go through 2022. Yeah, lots to watch around the dollar as well as the inflation picture and who might be the next Fed chair. We've been chatting with Manpreet Gill. He is the head of FICC Investment Strategy for Standard Chartered Private Bank. Manpreet, thank you for your time this morning. Thanks very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.